Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Today's special episode is a recording of a panel that was held with a live virtual audience and was moderated by David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst, with guests Dr. Sabrina Robbins, Rebecca DeShane, and Vicki Patterson. Please enjoy this week's episode. All right, so we're going to get started. Uh, welcome, everyone to our Community of Practice webinar series. And today we're gonna be talking about Hidden Talent, a workforce development program in Northeast Wisconsin. And we have a fantastic panel here today. I'm gonna introduce the panelists and I'm gonna ask them to, as I introduce them, to uh, unmute themselves and uh, share a little bit about their work. So I'm gonna just be really high level, but would love to learn kind of their work and, uh, also, what motivated them to actually uh, start this project? So, first off, uh, I will introduce uh, Rebecca. Rebecca is the VP of Talent Development at New North, and uh, she works uh, with uh, has worked on this project uh, from the very beginning. I'll give a little bit about her. Uh, she's a, a VP of Vice President of Talent Development, the Regional Marketing and Economic Development Agency. Uh, which is New North for 18 counties in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, she's held this position since uh, Jan 2021. Welcome, Rebecca. Great, thanks, David. Happy to be here. Awesome. Do you want me to go a little bit more into myself, sure. or yes, okay. please go ahead. Uh, so, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're excited to be able to talk about um, our partnerships that we are working on. As David said, I work with New North, which is one of nine regional economic development organizations in the state of Wisconsin. And we have the 18 counties in Northeast Wisconsin. Um, and my role as part of the Vice President of Talent Development is really to look at what are those opportunities that we have um, to address gaps in our, um, in our area that would help with uh, talent, talent development. Um, and then also to reach out and work with our community partners uh, and look for new and innovative ways for us to address talent. So we're gonna talk today about um, some of the things that we are doing collectively to address uh, the digital equity issue um, and specifically how we can bring more digital literacy trainings um, to our communities, especially those communities that are not uh, connected to traditional uh, workforce or talent or service uh, resources. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have Vicki Patterson, who is the executive director for the Bay Area Workforce Development Board. Uh, Vicki has extensive background that includes nonprofit management, grant making, resource development, volunteer management, and fostering partnerships uh, focused on results. Uh, welcome, Vicki. Hi. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, so I am with the Bay Area Workforce Development Board. So it is one of 11 workforce development boards in the state of Wisconsin and really falls within New North's region. Um, they have 17 counties. We have the 11 counties. Um, so a lot of variance um, between rural communities um, to more urban communities and looking at the needs within those you know, in those counties um, and how different they can be. Um, regarding workforce development and, and the issues that are faced. So 
we became involved in this grant um, primarily as the, the funder of the grant um, through some ARPA funds that we received and a, and a grant that the state of Wisconsin had. Um, and, you know, the grant itself wanted to kind of focus more on transitional jobs, but we really wanted to look at the digital um, skills piece of things and looking at that from more of a foundational skills approach for people that um, are a little, you know, could be left behind and are likely to be more left behind as the as the world continues to change. And then also some upskilling for current workers. So that was really our focus. And so we were really pleased when um, New North and Abaxent, you know, came forward with this proposal um, to target populations in our community that were most impacted by the pandemic um, and start to lift that up and build that that foundation in the community. So that's how we got involved. Welcome. We're looking forward to this conversation today. Uh, and next up, uh, I'd like to introduce Dr. Sabrina Robbins, also known as Dr. Bree. Uh, Dr. Bree is the Chief Operating Officer of Abaxent, a 100% African-American-owned, women-owned technology company. Uh, Dr. Bree also works with African Heritage and Abacor. Uh, Dr. Bree, I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit more about your work. Sure. Thank you for uh, having me here. And I'm really excited to also share the stage with uh, our partners. Uh, I'm wearing multiple hats today. And uh, I'm the uh, chief architect of the BOOST solution. BOOST stands for Building Outstanding uh, Opportunities for uh, Sustainable Talent. And uh, we're really here to uh, leverage our collective experience. I have over 25 years of workforce solutions uh, and coming from major corporations doing that. And in addition, I serve on the board of directors for African Heritage Inc. And what I've learned through a combination of my corporate experience and also uh, being a nonprofit is the value of grassroots recruiting. What we learned during COVID is that uh, there's a vast population of our most vulnerable workforce uh, that are left out of the formal systems. And we found that out in COVID. And as a result, we said, you know, let's continue to work with this group and also uh, see what else is needed. It came high on the list that digital literacy was needed. Without foundational digital literacy skills, they are not able to apply for jobs or even find out that jobs are available. So as an opportunity to deal with not only people of color, but those that are in uh, the most need of uh, poverty, the lowest poverty levels had the less accessibility to digital skills training. And so we put together this solution, uh, had the opportunity to partner with New, New North to leverage their vast knowledge of the region itself, Bay Area workforce development with the resources and the technical resources to link more people to utilize that. And so New Boost, New Northeast Wisconsin Boost Building Opportunities for Outstanding Sustainable Talent uh, came, came forth. We talk a lot about uh, leveraging technology, but we're really into the people business. And the technology 
uh, is used to foster relationships so that we can be in community. And that means going to get the talent. We're dealing with people that do not have resumes. And so we have to go and get that talent and have the skill to go and interact with people where they are. And so New Boost is a grassroots initiative to offer free basic online training to our most vulnerable population where they are. And that also means bringing new partners to the table that typically are not there, such as our churches and some of our local businesses where our uh, target population frequent so they can get services and not be fatigued running around town trying to find some place where we can really be where they are. Fantastic. And I am so excited for this discussion, uh, not just for why this was done, but also the lessons learned and why this work is so hard to do. Uh, so I'll first start, Rebecca, with you and kind of understand New North's motivation. Like, you know, how did this project come about? I know Vicky talked a lot, a little bit about kind of as a funder, their perspective, but New North kind of taking the lead on putting this project together. What was your vision uh, in helping uh, Northeast Wisconsin uh, and workforce development in the area? Yeah, thanks for that question, David. Um, you know, really, we're very fortunate in the New North region um, to have a lot of partners um, and a lot of corporations that see, uh, right, that long-term, the, the big picture of wanting to make sure that there is talent that's going to meet, you know, not only current needs, but those needs of the future. Uh, one of our partners has been Microsoft. Uh, we have a TechSpark region in New North, um, one of the very first ones that Microsoft launched five years ago. Um, and through our partnership with them, we have, you know, made aware of the growing digital you know, equity um, gaps that we have. So how can we, um, you know, as an organization that's serving multiple counties, we work with, with local partners, um, both from an side and then within the nonprofit and work, uh, uh, workforce development space, how can we serve as a convener to bring those partners together and look at what are, you know, as uh, Dr. Bree mentioned, how do we bring in organizations or people that don't necessarily interact with other workforce trainers? So we have this opportunity to, you know, one, be more aware of it through the, the partnership we have with Microsoft. Um, if anyone is wondering, you know, what are those opportunities and how can you learn more about your own digital opportunity app? Um, there's a great resource, uh, Microsoft and the National Digital In Inclusion Association has a digital equity scorecard. Um, and I'll drop that in the chat when I'm done chatting here, but people can go, you can look at your state specifically, um, but you can see, right, we have nearly 33% of uh, those unemployed in the state of Wisconsin uh, would not be qualified to apply for nearly 75% of the open jobs in our state. Um, and that's a, right, that should have red flags for everybody. So how do we look at that from a perspective as a regional economic development organization? How do we support our existing businesses? How do we create an environment where new businesses um, want to come, whether they're moving here or growing and starting here? Um, and how do we make sure that we're you know, part of the solution on that, um, that talent development scale? As Dr. Bree said, not leaving those who are behind, right? Vicki, I think you mentioned it too. 
you know, if you don't have access to it, you're going to be continuously and more accelerated, right? How quickly you're left behind. So how can we stop that and bring people together? Yeah, it's such a, a interesting topic. That statistic that you mentioned is fascinating. Yeah, that there are jobs and then there are job seekers and there's a mismatch between both of those organizations. And a lot of times, just because you put them two together doesn't mean that they are now eligible for jobs. A lot of the times they, they're not, they don't qualify for the jobs. The trust is not there. They wouldn't even apply right. for those jobs, right? So Vicky, bringing you into the conversation here, as you look at the landscape here, like what were the critical stakeholders that you brought together as you thought about uh, creating this initiative? So we'll start at the top and then we'll kind of go into the mechanics of it. But at the starting point, when you thought about this project, bringing in New North, et cetera, what was kind of some of your thinking there? Um, well, really, actually, New North um, just applied, you know, submitted a proposal with this idea. I think where we um, changed the focus is when it came to us, it was more focused on transitional jobs. And we um, we instead turned that around and, and made it a little more focused on digital skills and hidden talent. So I think our role in that was that um, bringing this collaboration together um, initially with the proposal was really New North in a backcent um, doing that. And then, um, you know, us kind of supporting it throughout that. But I did want to add something on um, to just what you guys were talking about before around, you know, kind of matching the skills with the talent. And, you know, the importance of foundational digital skills um, is the constant because um, there was some, uh, a statistic that I had from the governor's council that was um, like five years ago that said by 2035, 75% of the jobs that exist in 2035 do not exist today. That since has changed. And so within this last year, it's by 2030, 80% of the jobs of, that exist. Because of chat GPT. <laughs> it's because, because, of because of change. And yeah. so we're going to be training people for jobs and we don't even know what those jobs are yet. You know, and we're training people for jobs today that may not exist in five years. So there's really a challenging time, but that one constant is the foundational digital skills. People will need those. And so I feel like, you know, an investment in that today um, will help people weather that change a little better um, while we all try to grasp on what is it that people are going to change? How can we skill them up quickly? How can we help with that disruption? Um, but that foundational digital skills piece is just the constant. So, yeah, I wanted yeah. to uh, uh, also um, share in what Vicki is saying. And we're right now witnessing a change of what counts as foundational digital skills. Dave, you mentioned Chat GPT. We are fastly moving where it's going to be very important that we all know the word prompts. And what are the right prompts, how to look for jobs, even how to prepare for jobs now, and how we deliver training. And so as we speak, we're probably having to redefine what is foundational. Before it was, oh, we have to make sure that uh, they know how to use computers and stop doing business on telephones, on, on, on your cell phone, or... Um, what is social media? And we'll still need to do that. But I am talking to people every day about what's how what's the proper prompts and how to get information that they need fast, 
right? To be able to help them build resumes, how to prepare for interviews and all of that. So we're experiencing change in real time. And unless you have access to the resources that New North African Heritage and Bay Area, you will be left even further behind. So it's a very urgent need that we are all experiencing. And I'm going to say it's a global impact. And one of those jobs that didn't exist two years ago is a prompt engineer. That's <laughs> yeah. a job. Yep. Yeah. And that didn't exist. Yeah. So yeah. what's going to exist in two years, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, did you want to say something too? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just going on that same uh, vein and Dr. Bri, I'll bring you into this picture as well uh, to kind of highlight that there is a whole uh, kind of uh, aspect of community to this. So we understand the problem. We understand how difficult it is. Uh, but then there's also a trust factor that you can't just show up in these communities and say, I've got a solution, now you got to trust me, right? I got a solution, now you got to follow me, right? So, and some of this trust is built in decades. So you got to partner with people that already exist in these communities, uh, right? So talk to us a little bit about the mechanics of how do you actually build trust in these communities? And, uh, if, you know, you have a great idea. This is a wonderful program. How do you actually bring this to life? Absolutely. I'm going to put on my African Heritage hat, board member hat. African Heritage is a small nonprofit organization uh, based in Northeast Wisconsin. And it's been uh, active for 25 years in the region. And I say 25 years because it's been 25 years at the grassroots level serving the Black community. The mission is advancing uh, Blacks and African-Americans. So when you say decades, it really is decades of serving people where they are and their needs. So uh, it's been very nice. Typically, when it's a small grassroots, many people are not aware of their work. So uh, and you just keep serving this group. And as you bring in initiatives, you're having to talk to them multiple times. So it isn't a one and done or where we can show up and just set up a table for one day and say, here are all our services. So we're serving and doing major events, typically cultural events, but also being there day to day, helping them navigate through life. Uh, what has uh, what we learned is yes, the grassroots uh, organizations are very good, but boy, isn't it nice to partner with Microsoft and give us access to some of the larger services that's been going on in the region? We've all, the three of us have been together for decades, right? Serving, but probably inside of five years really have an understanding of what we can do together. Having that conduit from larger established organizations into the community, that is African heritage role, where we can go back and forth, share the resources and keep saying over and over again, you're not alone, that there are larger research resources available and to have the trust of Bay Area, Microsoft, and New North 
to be able to carry that message back to communities that all of us have a vested interest and desire in helping. Building that trust to be able to receive it and also being able to translate that information in a way that is meaningful for the communities that we're serving. Yeah, Rebecca, jump in. Great, thanks. Um, you know, just kind of building off what Dr. Bree said there is, you know, that disruption that happened during COVID, um, there was a lot of, you know, not so great things, but I think, you know, one of the silver linings is that it really helped us find new ways to connect with people, right? So while New North has been around for almost 20 years and African Heritage has been around for 25 and Vicki, I don't know how long Bay Area has been around, but right, you for a couple decades as cool. well, right? Like that interaction and those integrations weren't happening, right? We were kind of working towards similar goals, but in our own, you know, pathways and not bringing it together. And what COVID demonstrated is that there's things where you need to come together and work on those collaboratives collaboratively. So really having these new opportunities with new partners, right? There's this learning curve that we've been going through as partners working um, and then working with those other extended partners outside, right? That we're trying to bring into the grant um, activities uh, has also demonstrated, right? Like there's different ways to interact and people are learning new things and we're learning new things. And Vicki, I would you know, even guess that you guys as a workforce board are seeing, right, there's different ways to go about it. Um, and there's also some more challenges then, right? We've hit a few barriers that we didn't anticipate, um, you know, as part of our grant deliverables, which, you know, kind of set us back a little bit as we learn more about, in, you know, learning from Dr. Bree and African heritage on that grassroots engagement, um, you know, building that trust. You have a lot of interest in it, but getting people from interest to, you know, action is a little bit longer of a runway. Yeah. And, and Vicki, I'll let you jump in to also elaborate a little bit about those challenges, right? Like in terms of assumptions on what success would look like and the timeline for that success versus when you actually go to do the program, you know, and you mm -hmm. see that either the gap is really large or the ability to draw a straight line between I have a great solution to I have people that want the great solution might not be a linear path. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of the things um, that is a barrier um, is just the nature of the funding. And so, you know, working with more grassroots organizations, and I agree with both Rebecca and Dr. Bree that that's where you're going to really reach those, you know, individuals through trusted organizations. Um, and they are largely smaller community organizations and um you know, grassroots. And so the funding that we, you know, that we often get through workforce boards um, has a lot of paperwork. Um, it has a lot of questions that it asks people um, and they don't know us and they wonder why you're asking that information. Um, and that paperwork alone is a barrier to serving population. So we wonder, you know, previously, you know, six years ago before COVID, you know, why, why aren't we serving those populations? Are we not doing outreach well? Are we not doing, you know, even if you are reaching them, it's still a barrier. So I think just the nature of the funding and what type of funding um, and what those requirements are play a big role 
in serving individuals. And so just being cognizant of that, um, I think is important. And I think this grant had a couple of different elements to it. Um, so they kind of had the capacity building piece of it, you know, where they were designing the, pro, you know, the, the system and all of that. Um, that's, this funding is a little less of a barrier for that part of it. But then when you're working with the individuals, um, you know, it becomes very noticeable. So I think that is just, um, you know, a barrier that has to be worked through and or, you know, look, look, be aware of it and have other funding because it does, it, it, it creates obstacles that you have to work through and, you know, takes that time. So. Yeah. And I'll just share, uh, and I'd love to have uh, the other panelists jump in, but one of the things that we learned through PPP uh, during COVID was that sometimes the program design itself, uh, it automatically excluded some people just from the design of the program and not intentionally. When the SBA rolled out these programs, they were looking to help people. But when they rolled it out, they realized that the people that didn't have financial statements instantly were excluded from the process that they were trying to do. And then the people that applied for early funding were people they didn't actually want to fund, but because they're the ones that had the paperwork and had the trusted banking relationship, they were getting PPP in the millions when the people they designed it for didn't have the trusted banking relationship and didn't have the financial statements and instantly were excluded from the very design of you know, what they were trying to solve for. And sometimes you, know, you only learn that after you've rolled it out. And then they said in second round, we actually will eliminate those questions and we will actually eliminate the need to go through a bank. And then they were able to get to the grassroots and get to the people. And without that initial learning, it, was, it wasn't possible to actually get to the, the right people. Um, yeah. And I also want to say the notion of earning while you're learning. When you're working with those that are impoverished, when it comes to training opportunities, there should be a stipend there. Their needs are often uh, immediate. And by the time you fill out the paperwork for the referral or whatever, they slide even more into a uh, state of emergency. And whether it's facing uh, evictions, uh, a food scarcity, um, or uh, loss of transportation to get to the job, to get there, and uh, to be able to offer stipends while learning uh, could go a long way into not only supporting the recruit, but also getting them through the program for a positive exit and completion as well. So I just wanted to uh, throw that. Uh, I'm starting to see in other areas that I work in that they're offering a stipend to go along if they're actively participating in the programs. It's an interesting point. So it's almost like saying, like, if you want to train the person, you got to first make sure that they're fed so they can actually focus on the learning and not focus on their growling stomach, right? It's almost like you got to satisfy the, the need uh, that's there uh, when you show up. Well, and most people do get paid while they're learning. I have a 19-year-old. She works at the mall. And when it's time for them to do training, they get paid for that. Yeah. And so... We're taking people that have even less access than my 19-year-old, asking them to be in training and get no payment. You know, that could be um, something to look at, that most people do get paid something for while they're training. Yep. Yeah, so and to be fair, I think, you know, Vicki's point about some grant funding 
you know, we had originally hoped to do some stipends and I know there's, there are some support services that are available for us to be able to bring in with the participants that we're working with. Um, it's just, there's just that process piece that goes with it. So, you know, as people, if they're listening and as they're thinking through, how do I do something like that? You know, it's understanding some of that flexibility and, you know, some of that diversification of funding for a program that you're looking at. So, you know, there are some structures that go into place, um, you know, and we're extraordinarily grateful to Bay Area for giving us this chance to, to try something new and to look at different ways that we can serve different populations within our, um, in our region. Um, you know, and as we grow forward, it's understanding that some of the funding that we need to carry on this program um, you know, might need to come from a different source that, um, you know, federal, federal funding has federal rules and regulations, and that's part of that process that you need to be mindful of. Um, but being able to then find some of those other community partners or community funding sources that will allow you a little bit more of that flexibility on how to support the, the whole, like the holistic piece of that approach is really important as well. Yeah. yeah, and we we experienced that for uh, New Boost Hidden Talent, African Heritage, uh, with the support of of uh, Microsoft, helped us get a multi year capacity building and digital literacy uh, funding from our local community foundation. So we were able to add those resources to the programs. So we had uh, a church where it had a significant African-American population. We were able, African Heritage was able to use its fund funds from a different source to buy computers. So now that church has computers and is now a satellite site. We were able to do the same thing for another organization called We Are Rise that has a transitional housing. They were in need of funding. So we were able to, with the support of, of uh, New North and uh, Microsoft, be able to give funding from that from the regional uh, foundation and provide computers for that site as well. So the application partnerships, there's value in partnering with the smaller grassroots because they have access to additional funding to serve a population that we all have in common and care about. And I was just gonna say, um, you know, the importance and I think the learning that takes place, but um, that to take a blanket, um, you know, and put it across and we're serving populations that this works or this doesn't work. Um, so it, in a lot of our other grants, we have incentives. People can get incentives when they complete things, when they do things, hardly used. Um, but in working with um, on this project and, you know, listening to Dr. Bree, listening to some other organizations that work with refugees, um, that's not the case they're really, really important. Um, and not maybe an incentive, but a stipend, a, you know, for training, for learning, um, time, transportation is likely important, things like that. But um, I, I think, you know, just being really cognizant of when you go to implement a pro program or like go to, you know, fund a pro 
program that just that blanket when you're serving a lot of different individuals, um, you know, to be caught, caught careful and cautious of that and have that build in as much flexibility, I guess, as possible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask you all uh, uh, the same question after this, which is to tell us one story of a of an individual. You don't have to tell the name or anything, but one story that stood out to you through this project. But while you're all thinking, Rebecca, I'm going to ask you a question uh, focused specifically around economic development and the role of a project like this in driving economic activity in the community, right? Given that uh, this can, you know, be something that can be taken to other communities. What's the ROI, big picture ROI? Uh, and of course, all of you are welcome to jump in on that as well. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, give you, I'm giving you like a some heads up on, tell us a story that stood out to you after this. So yeah, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about the economic impact of something like this. Yeah, that's a great question, David. Um, and I don't know that I can give you like a true ROI score yeah. right now. Just a, a big uh, picture. Yeah. Right. But you know, in today's labor market, workforce development is economic development. So if we don't have the workforce to meet the needs of our business community, um, right, then they're not going to be successful. They're not going to be able to churn their, right, their products, their information. And as you look towards how do we address, even if every individual in the state of Wisconsin who was unemployed was matched up with every open job with all of the right skills, we'd still have over 100,000 openings in the state of Wisconsin that weren't filled, right? So how are you addressing that pure demographic you know, gap? It's technology, it's automation, right? So the workplace itself is changing. So the program, the new boost program is addressing that very foundational, um, you know, computer skills. So people who may not have had that opportunity, who may have been doing the same job for a number of years, but now there's that new equipment and um, the, that equipment is more automated. Now we're seeing that having this opportunity, this ability to provide those trainings is going to help them not only retain existing jobs, but maybe move up into new jobs then as well. So if we're thinking about it from, um, you know, we talk a lot about the ALICE population. So for those who aren't familiar, ALICE is um, an acronym for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. Um, so our individuals who are employed but not making um, enough money for their household to be able to meet their very basic needs. So some of those individuals might be working two or three jobs. How can something like this program then let them maybe get that bump up at their one job where that, you know, then frees them to not have to work three jobs. Now they can spend more time with their family, their quality of life has, has improved, right? Their ability to do their job has improved, right? You're not as tired, all those different things that come through it. But when you work, look at it from an economic development standpoint, then it's, you know, being able to, you know, demonstrate that your region, your state, your community um, has the services in place um, to support those skilling and that upskilling. And then that's going to drive that you're going to have that talent that are going to at least meet those, you know, very basic skills that you need to come into that workforce be able to train into those other, um, you know, very specific parts of that and continue on. So, you know, how do we talk to site selectors? How do we make sure that we're meeting, you know, existing needs? But then how are we also making sure from a community 
perspective that we're taking care of people because as Dr. Bree mentioned, right, chances are that computer skills are not the only, you know, challenge that they are facing um, throughout the course of their life, right? So how can we help them not only with that skills training, um, but be able to connect them with those other community-based resources to meet other demands in their life? All right. So I'm going to do round robin and, and ask everybody to share a story. So Vicki, I'll start with you. Uh, from what you've, uh, you know, people have shared with you and what you've seen, uh, tell us a, a success story that you've seen through this program. So you started with the wrong person because I I don't have um, kind of that personal connection to the program participants um, to to really see that. Yeah. So. Um, have you heard? I, yeah, have you I heard? could have found one. We have a person who gets all the case notes and things yeah. like that in our office that probably sees it, but I, I don't. Um, Vicki, do you think, though, from I a have success Vicky's story? story. Yeah. I have Vicki's story yeah. and how she's helped the program, and she doesn't oh. even know it. Really? Oh, yeah. DOC? So, <laughs> DOC? You, so this is about connecting. And Vicki took time out and she recommended that I speak with someone that could help us with second chancers. We were struggling with the recruit. And Vicki said, I'd like to introduce you to someone. We were at the New North Summit and I followed up. And now that organization is filling a, a really a big gap that we had in our program because now not every group has the appropriate volunteers or resources to fill the need and be able to meet that target population where we are. So now I call them returning citizens. We now have through Vicki, an organization that raised their hand and say, our clientele can, can really benefit from that. Thank you. And we would like to participate and be a part of Boost. So you can have impact. It doesn't mean that you're working directly with people, but this is about being part of an ecosystem and we don't all fill the same role. So Vicki, you've had a, a very good and real impact on this program for us to uh, help and have the opportunity to connect with an organization that's skilled and willing to help returning citizens and give us access to returning citizens that want, need, and deserve a boost in life. So I just wanted to say thank you right here yeah. on that. Well, thank so you. I had Vicki's story. And, and then well, I, had my... I, I was going to oh. actually say I don't have a specific story, but my story would be the hope for working with our justice-involved clients because we have some programs also that we're working with individuals when they're in the institutions that come out. And... Um, you know, if you're if you're in an institution for eight years, 10 years, and you come out, even driving a car can be a challenge. So those foundational skills. So my story was going to be that I have a hope, my success is that we can connect our justice-involved individuals. And so that was good to hear. That, that's fantastic. Yeah. That That's uh, that's real change right there. Uh, okay, so Dr. Bree, what's your story? 
So, uh, so I had some Vicky story. My story is uh, actually interacting with program participants. So I want to say, you know, I went in with a mindset, oh, we're going to do this training and whatever. But boy, I've been learning from our participants. They do have aspirations. We have a young lady that uh, her, uh, aspires to be a scheduler for uh, one of the major hospitals in the area. And um, she did not have a laptop and did not have sufficient skills. She didn't know the Microsoft package, how to schedule and all of that. And she's getting an opportunity to get some of those foundational skills in the program. While we were working on the digital literacy, it gave us a chance to also talk to her about customer service, what your tone should be like on the phone and how to engage with technology and people at the same time. She's learning those things. We had also been very intentional. The new North, the, uh, the new Boost program is targeting Black, Hispanic, and Native Americans. So the importance of having uh, digital literacy providers uh, that are a cultural match has been successful. So if someone is not able to connect with one of our other partners, we've been able to reassign them to someone from their cultural group and be able to retain them in the program and so that they can get the skills that we need. So we don't all have to be the same, but to be flexible and be in our roles and help the students, again, where they are to get to where we need them to be, which is to have a more sustainable and viable workforce so our region can continue to be successful. That's wonderful. Uh, Rebecca, to you now. Great, thank you. Um, I think there's a lot of great stories, right, as we continue to connect with people, but I'll share one of our partners that we work with is the College of Menominee Nations. So Menominee County in our region is um, almost completely tribal uh, land, um, but it's also generally one of our counties that has the highest rates of unemployment um, and just kind of some struggles that go with, um, you know, some of the the opportunities or lack of opportunities that are there. So we've partnered with the College of Menominee Nation um, as they're thinking about ways that they can better serve their members. Um, and they've been, you know, looking at ways to do digital literacy. So our ability to have, you know, there was some flexibility with our funding to be able to identify partners to be training partners in those communities. So, you know, one of those successes is one, you know, it's, connecting and outreach with, uh, you know, the Menominee um, tribe and helping them, you know, implement uh, trainings for that. But we had an opportunity to be there a couple of weeks ago uh, and met Joyce, um, fantastic lady, works at one of the casinos in the area uh, and wanted to build, you know, she had this, you know, desire to build her digital skills and didn't know where to go. So, her ability now to go into the college and be connected with an individual 
um, to work on those training and on those assessments has allowed her now to, to build the skills that she needs. It's allowed her to move into a new role. Um, she's already gotten uh, a pay raise as a result of that. And she's just driven and motivated on her own now to continue to build those skill sets and to continue to be now a new resource in her work environment to show others how to do um, things that she wasn't even able to do, you know, two or three months ago. Um, and it's through this program and those connections um, where we don't have to, as individuals on this call, be the ones providing the direct training, um, but it's connecting with those partners and then, you know, and enabling them and empowering them to be able to serve those in their communities that they're connected with. Oh, that's fantastic. So the next question I'm going to ask all of you as well is, uh, what was one lesson learned? I know we shared a lot about lessons learned, but if we had to pick one for each of you, uh, but uh, there's also a question from the audience. So I'm going to uh, uh, turn on the microphone for Sharon. Uh, Sharon, I'm going to uh, allow you to come off mute to ask your question. And if you're not able to come off mute, then you can also type your question in the in the chat. Uh, but Sharon, go ahead and ask your question, please. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, Sharon Jackson out of Washington, D.C. You know, oftentimes we talk about uh, specific employment pro uh, programs available for the underserved community, uh, people of color. Are there specific programs in your area that deal with women in particular that are trying to enter the workforce after incarceration? Vicki, I'll let you maybe take some of the programs specific to the new boost program, Sharon. Um, you know, Dr. Bree just mentioned the, the connections that we're making with, uh, you know, the, the formerly incarcerated um, and justice involved individuals. The nice thing about our program is that it's highly customizable, right? So we do an initial assessment with individuals and identify where they're at in the, their own digital learning um, journey uh, and then bring the appropriate resources for that individual. Someone might just need a refresher course. Someone might know need to know how do I even turn a computer on? What are all these things, right? So we have the flexibility to meet people where they're at um, and be able to bring that um, kind of that customized training to them. Um, so if they just want just the foundational piece, we can do that. As Dr. Bree said, someone wanted to learn the Microsoft suite. So we're able to add that piece on as well. Um, so being able to meet people where they're at and with what they need um, to be able to move them as quickly as possible towards that success um, is one of the, the really kind of um, flexible but really unique parts of this training too. But Vicki, I know there's a couple programs available, so I'll let you speak more specifically to that. Yeah, so specific to women, I think you asked, Sharon, um, we do, um, the Workforce Development Boards have a program that's called Windows to Work that um, goes into the prisons and works with individuals who are at high or medium risk to reoffend and um, does some behavioral, some group work with them on behavioral change and then employability skills, um, and then also work for a year with them once upon, or when upon release um, for one year to help them either with training or employ, employment. So um, one of the prisons here that's in 
it's not in our area, but it's the closest to our area. And we used to be in that prison. Now another board is, is Tachita, which is a female prison. Um, and so that is one program that um, is specifically designed for women. Um, and they even have like mobile welding labs at, the, at that institution. Um, and it's amazing how many women like it who never would have considered it, um, but, but enjoy it, do it. They also have a mechanical, um, uh, electromechanical um, mobile lab. And so that's an opportunity for them to be trained there. Um, and so then when they're released, they have a high demand occupation that pays a good sustainable wage. So um, they also put a job center, a job lab in some prisons across the state with this um, Tichita, the female prison being one of them, um, so that there's staff on site before they're released to help connect them to employers, do interviews while they're um, still in the institution and then have employment upon release. So. Yeah. And Sharon, I also wanted to add uh, that the New Boost Hidden uh, Talent Project, we have an online provider called Back to the Basics Tutoring. And she's able to provide digital literacy uh, to people online. So even skilled in telling them how to uh, turn on computers, she's able to go from the phone to get them to the device. So sometimes, uh, I know you asked about um, the female uh, returning citizens, but we are also partnering with our uh, women's uh, uh, domestic uh, shelter, uh, violence shelter, because some women are not safe to leave their home, but still need training. So we uh, are able to work with folks that, uh, for whatever reason, can't go to a physical facility to uh, get training. And that's been um, a, a benefit for our program as well. So I wanted to share that with you. Yeah. And Dodie, I dropped a couple links in the chat, um, one specific to the Windows to Work program that Vicki um, commented on. Um, and then there's another project that's based out of Madison, led by UW-Madison called the Odyssey Project. And that has some really interesting resources and um, some of the work that they're doing to support um, really the whole family um, as it relates to those that are involved in the justice system. So a couple of resources of things going on in the state of Wisconsin specific. Perfect, thank you. And, and Dr. Bree, if you don't mind putting those links as well that you mentioned for uh, back, uh, back to the basics and others. Um, so uh, people can follow. So I will go back and uh, ask you all, um, Rebecca, I'll start with you this time. Uh, if you had to pick kind of one, uh, not like, like uh, a lesson learned that you want to do differently, but a lesson learned that was an insight. You're like, I did not, when we started this program, think that this would be an outcome or this is something that we'd have had to pay attention to uh, just as a lesson learned for others that might be interested in doing similar programs in their community. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I think we have a lot of lessons that we've learned. Um, you know, but first and foremost, we are we're truly on that kind of front lines of building a digital literacy ecosystem. Um, and my phone is ringing, so let me not do that anymore. Um, so really, that ability to um, to bring the right partners um, in 
but then also understanding the capacity of our partners, right? So a lot of individuals that are really interested in, in being part of this, but they're serving a lot of other needs um, as well with the communities that they're already serving, right? So adding on another layer of digital literacy um, is just adding on, you know, one more thing onto their plate. So I think for us, it's really one of the lessons is that, you know, how do we continue to broaden that capacity for more people to be educated in how to bring digital literacy to the people that they're serving um, and making sure that we're building the trust. I think Dr. Bree brought this up really. It's about, you know, on paper, it looked really great of we're gonna go here and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be that. And then, you know, there were some more rules that were added, um, right? So then you had to kind of navigate around different rules. Um, and then there's just, people are dealing with a lot of things. So digital literacy and computer skills, they know are important. Um, but when you have a fire that you're trying to fight, that might just go to the side. So how do you continue to help people from that prospect? Um, I think are some of the lessons that we've learned, but really I think it's, there's a tremendous amount of interest, not only from individuals, but from organizations on how they can be better connected to providing these services to meet those needs. Dr. Bree? Um, um, sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, I really saw the uh, importance of having what I call a, a boundary spanning technology to support the work of organizations that are not formally linked. So we don't have the same reporting systems. Uh, you have cybersecurity issues. So there's, there's no way that uh, Bay Area workforce development could give African heritage access to their their um, systems to put in case notes or uh, so to have that system. Sometimes we meet someone in December and they're really excited about the program. Something happens in their life and they can't start until March. Well, when you have a, a process manager and you have the data there, you can go in and say, oh, you know, are you ready? Is this a good time for you to start? Part of the hidden talent is that once we find them, we want to keep track of them. And so having a system to see, oh, here are the case notes. This is where they dropped out or here's their progress. We've had some successful exits. All of that is within the system and that we can share some of the stories we told today really come from case notes because we're not service providers ourselves. So having that boundary spanning technology that different organizations can contribute their part of the story or their part of the program responsibility from a volunteer on up to a project manager, uh, I, I'm seeing the benefit of that. And then Vicki. Yeah, mine kind of goes along with that a little bit. I think um, the lesson learned, not just with this grant, but with many, um, is that it always takes more time than you think it's going to take. And um, because of the different systems and because of the different requirements, um, that the, just the importance and the lesson in build that in, like build in that project manager or build in that extra technical assistance 
because, um, you know, they're depending on the grant, depending on the system, depending on the partner organizations, you are dealing with a lot of different, you know, issues. And I think it just takes that time and you need to, to um, balance that within the grant. Um, so I think, you know, going forward, having looked, you know, to build more of that, that in um, just to help make things go smoother and have um, individuals who can focus on that. And it's interesting you mentioned that it's not just workforce development, it's across the board on technical assistance in every area that, you know, we live in a day and age where we say we need the sophistication of analytics and understanding the customer and understanding and being able to track impact over time and the journey of that they're on. All of those things sound fantastic <laughs> and sound very intuitive, like we should know if uh, somebody as uh, a hidden talent uh, individual goes to get digital skills training and then ends up in a job and then goes from that job to another job. That's the ROI on that initial training. But if you don't have a system, you never can actually track over time the true ROI of an investment like this in the community. And then you can't advocate for more investments. And ultimately, you know, you're not able to drive that investment back into the community. So I think that that's across the board. And I think a lot of nonprofits and even state and federal institutions are trying are understanding the need to implement and invest in systems and then the people that run these systems. So it's it's interesting that that's a it's an outcome uh, that you're all uh, seeing. And so I'll give you all. No. Yeah, go ahead. I, I will just say one thing about that. Um, the state system that we have to enter our information in, so New Boost is getting participant information through that specific grant of New Boost is getting entered in, um, can track them over time because it connects to the um, UI system. So if they are working, if there's information, wage information, they can track that. Um, but with that then becomes a barrier because then you're asking people for their social security numbers. And, you know, there's um, individuals in specific communities that they don't, you know, that's not something that they are comfortable always giving. Um, so it's a barrier to even getting them to participate. But on the flip side, right, then you can track it and you can show your outcomes. But I, I think, you know, it's just that balance um, and understanding that needs to happen if you really want to serve people. Yeah. Is there flexibility in some of those other things that you're measuring? Because, um, yeah, it's nice to know, but I, you know, you're trying to put them in a system and then you require very specific information um, that can be a barrier to even ever serving them. So, yeah, well said. Any last words, uh, Dr. Bree, Rebecca, any closing thoughts from you all? Uh, I, I just want to say uh, to everyone out there is, uh, uh, be as flexible and innovative as you possibly can. I understand that there are constraints on maybe some of your rules, but if you have a good ecosystem, we can help each other fill in the gaps and be able to serve people um, at a level where they can really access um, the training. And so uh, there's a need for closer partnerships from some of your smaller grassroots organizations to your businesses and to your regional economic um, groups and to your workforce development board. So there can be cross, I'll call it cross-cultural, cross-organizational understanding. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca? Yeah, thanks for that, David. And 
thank you to you and your team as well. I think, you know, we're here because EIC has been working with us, right? We're looking to use your platform in a way that even you might not have thought this is how we're gonna use our platform. Um, so, you know, your team has been great with respect to working with us, understanding our needs um, and looking at bringing those solutions forward as well, so, right? When Vicki talked about kind of your timeline might be a little different, that was one for us. And it was really just because of that innovation and that, you know, understanding how we can better use what's available. Um, so if there's folks listening and they're thinking, well, what, what should I do or how would I do? It's, you know, I would just offer up the EIC team has been fantastic to work with um, and really supportive and helping us not only learn how we can better use the system, but hearing our needs and helping us figure out a way to make that happen. Um, and then, you know, kind of from the perspective of, okay, so now you did this, our grant is wrapping up, now what? Um, is that we're really putting in those structures in place for that sustainability. Um, so as we look forward, um, it's understanding we need to continue finding ways to build capacity and train the trainer opportunities. As more people are trained and comfortable in, you know, proctoring North Star digital assessments or, you know, doing those uh, digital literacy trainings or even being aware of where they can go to get those resources, um, the more people we're able to connect to. So whether they're employed already, whether they're unemployed, you know, whether there are hidden talent that we're looking to connect with because they don't have any of those traditional connections for, um, for the workforce support, we're, you know, the grant has allowed us to put those, um, those road right ways in place for us to make sure that we can continue to build on the work that we're doing um, and learn from it, right? So what are some new things that we could look at doing? How, you know, once we're maybe outside some of the grant uh, requirements or parameters, how does that allow us to be a little more flexible with some of the approaches that we're taking as well um, and still be mindful of the outcomes that we're, we're trying to achieve? So, you know, kind of last thoughts is, as you're thinking, if you're listening to this, it's, you know, be open to having new partners. Um, be open to trying something new. We're grateful to Bay Area for being open to trying something new, um, knowing it might just be for this one grant cycle, but at least now we know, right? So it's that fail forward mentality of how do you learn from, from what you've um, you know tried uh, and just look at different ways that you can bring more partners in because as you have and you strengthen that network, you're also showing that trust to people you're trying to reach out to because they're seeing who you're working with as well. Um, and you're not just the government here to help, um, but you are you know, a community partner that is really interested and invested in your success. Yeah. Vicky, I'll give you the last word. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just listening and I think, um, you know, you guys, what you have said, I you know completely agree with and would say also, um, but I also think kind of going back to what I said a little bit before, but as even somebody who would fund something or be a partner um, and, and collaborate, you know, that there's a cost to collaboration. Um, it sounds, you know, it's great, it's wonderful to collaborate, but I also feel like there needs to be that um, foundation to, it doesn't just happen. It takes time and it takes energy and it takes, you know, people 
to make it happen. Um, and so, you know, when you're creating a partnership or, or even coming together, collaborating on a grant to really look at how do you build that in there, in, into that process and that grant, because it's so important. And I think we've just been fortunate because New North and Abaxent and, and Microsoft have worked together, you know, on different projects. So they had those really strong relationships already um, that it happened. But if it's a newer partnership or a newer collaboration, um, it, you know, I think it really needs to be built in um, to make it successful. Um, so, yeah, but this ha has been, and I think it is largely due to, you know, the relationship. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. I think that's a, a amazing note to end on that really it comes down to the relationships uh, at the end of the day. And uh, I am really thankful for you for you all joining us today as uh, panelists. I also thank our uh, our audience for joining us today. As EIC, we are always searching for meaning and purpose for what we do. And it's projects like this that really give us meaning, right? It's cool to like build technology, but if it can actually make a difference in people's lives, then you've attached meaning to your work. And so thank you for involving us in a project like this that's been giving us meaning for what we do every day. And we can't be prouder of the work you're all doing and uh, to even be a small part of it uh, is very humbling for us. So thank you for joining us today and uh, uh, hope you have a rest, good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you thank to the audience you. as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.